0: Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. As always, I got Jackson McCurry alongside me as my co-host, but today uh, we have a third man in this group. Uh, He is Kevin Massere of Going Deep Buffalo. Uh, We've had Kevin on the show uh, before. It's been a while uh, since we've talked to you, Kevin, but uh, it's good to have you back. And uh you're definitely gonna give us lowdown about our new offensive coordinator over here in Cleveland.
1: Excited to be here. Always like talking to my Browns friends. Um and yeah, I mean there continues to be some crossover between the franchises. So definitely more than ready and willing. Uh we did a lot of breakdowns of Dorsey over the offseason, this time almost last year. So definitely have you know a lot of things we can talk about.
0: Yeah, Jackson, you know it's uh uh good to have Kevin back on, but man, uh, you know there's never a shortage of brown's news and i know we talked to everybody last week but uh it's going to be a good one diving into all this
2: yeah for sure i mean we kind of figured at some point this week we were going to have a new offensive coordinator uh lo and behold sunday night during the afc championship game right towards the end uh the news breaks that obviously former bills offensive coordinator ken dorsey uh and also former cleveland browns quarterback so we do have that crossover as well uh is helping the offense, at least helping Kevin Stefanski with the offense, maybe calling plays that's still to be determined, but yeah, we do have Brown's news and Kevin, we thank you so much for coming on and uh, joining us once again to talk about a Brown's bills, crossovers, uh, of sorts.
1: Excited. Yeah. Really excited to get into it because I can tell you, um, this was a huge topic over here, literally 11 months ago. So, um, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that we can say that we, uh, definitely broke into his offense a lot over the course of the really the last six months, but most notably like three to nine months ago.
0: Yeah, So we'll, we'll kind of go over, you know, the history of Dorsey here. Um, you know, he replaced Brian Dable uh, after Dable left to be the giants head coach Uh in 2022, the bills had the second ranked offense Uh and partly through 2023, the, the bills were top five, but he was let go of, uh, after 10 games, and, you know, Kevin, it, it seems like the, the Bills found a lot of ways to lose in those first 10 games. Um, I don't know if you want to classify it as, you know, maybe he was the scapegoat, but uh, because the, the, the rankings that, uh, if you look at, like, the numbers, and I know the numbers and what you actually see can kind of tell two two different stories, but some of the numbers, uh, they were third in DVOA, uh, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second and third down conversion, third in red zone efficiency, and all those numbers look really great. But what ultimately led to, uh, Sean McDermott and company, uh, deciding to let Dorsey go and uh, going with a new voice in that offensive uh, mindset.
1: I mean, you guys, um, you know, kind of went down over his history just a minute ago. And I think what's really interesting to give the final backstory there, uh, he was basically um, negotiated by Josh Allen to be to be the Bills offensive coordinator. And um, there wasn't really much debate, I would say. I know they went T. Martin um, a little bit and in an interview process a few years ago, but there was really no other candidates um, it was basically like this was the first time people thought that Josh Allen uh, selected his you know personnel. He he hadn't really been like Aaron Rodgers or somebody else that got to do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, this was like his first real like, no, I I I'd, I'd, I'd like to have this offensive coordinator, uh, and he he is a very good uh, quarterbacks coach to start with. So we'll start with the history there a little bit. Um, you know, Josh worked with him and um, Palmer a lot in the off season. And uh, there was definitely some good development in the course and tenure um, of, you know, 2019, specifically to 2020. He had a huge jump. Uh, 2021, um, you know, he got kind of that promotion. He was pass game coordinator. So uh, definitely really strong passing the ball. Something to note of of Ken Dory. we'll get into that in a minute. Um, You know, obviously, then the promotion after Brian Dable fled, um, you know, originally it was said that McDermott and Dable didn't get along uh, but, you know, long and behold, Dable pretty tough to work with, as we see from Link Martindale um, and a couple of other stories that are starting to pop out around the New York Giants. Uh, people have started to blame McDermott for that. It seemed to be more of an issue with uh, Dable. Ken Dorsey was in the running there. I believe it was neck and neck till the very end. And basically so the story goes that Josh persuaded him to stay over going to New York um so bills fans at the time felt like that was a pretty big win you know brian dable was starting to take some pe- personnel some players um you know was waiver claims at that point um and then over to the you know obviously their their uh, gm you know shane was our assistant gm so there was definitely some crossover with bills fans starting to get frustrated uh, so i think they, they were very f- uh, happy to have dorsey stay uh in buffalo to begin uh the tenure um in last year You know, similarly, the Bills had a pretty weak schedule. They went 13-3. and They had the DeMar game late in the year that kind of derailed the season. A lot of people said, well, will they um, get over that? What will happen out of that situation? And the Bills just never looked the same. Uh, It was a pretty tough year on them. Uh, The games preceding that, uh, they got lucky against a bad New England team uh, in in Week 18. Uh, They obviously canceled the Bengals game. Uh, into the playoffs where they struggled against a bad Miami. The Miami still had all their weapons, but a bad uh, uh, seven string quarterback uh, where Miami fans like to say that Skylar Thompson played better than Tua in the playoffs. Um, So that's, that's because of that game. And then you go into a Cincinnati game where here's where the start of the story begins, uh, where you saw the first real bad warts with Ken Dorsey, um, where he put up a game plan for a passing style offense in three inches of standing snow and uh, with a downpour of snow. Um, so a lot of bills fans are pretty upset. The bills O-line was pretty beat up. There was excuses. Um, you know, there's a lot to be made. The defense didn't totally show against Joe Burrow. Um, you know, there were some definite issues. Uh, there's obviously the DeMar thing I just mentioned. So there's a lot of different things. So at that point, Ken actually did not get scapegoated. Um, you know, basically this time last year, same, same exact time frame. And uh there was start then started the debate of what is going on with Ken Dorsey. Why would he put together a game plan where they didn't run the ball at all? Um, whereas the Bengals were just kind of running up the middle with a mixing. Um, you know, why didn't our O line do anything? Why is Josh Allen throwing 20 yard outs? Um, he can't, you know, he can barely get it over to, you know, no one's catching the ball. Um, you know, there's there's all these, there's all these things that people were confused about. Now, two o'clock right before kickoff, there was zero snow, and this is how Orchard Park works. And it was beautiful lot. I was there. An hour later, it's torrential downpour of snow. um, And people just like to assume Ken Dorsey didn't adjust at all, had no other game plan he coached in Buffalo. So that was kind of the start of this, this, this big, um, this big debate. So I wanted to make sure I put that on, uh, on the table for you guys, kind of like that history is really important when it comes to Ken Dorsey, Uh, an ongoing debate starting this time last year, all the way through the off season on his numbers, his metrics, I test EPA uh, DVOA rankings, so you kind of had that start of this all off season, guys. So I kind of wanted to make sure I gave you that great uh, history, so you kind of, kind of, kind of know where where the backstory is.
2: I remember that playoff game so vividly because of the weather conditions and the fact that they threw forty two times, and the offense couldn't get into a rhythm. I thought that was a very a big head scratching decision by Dorsey uh, to execute that game plan and the weather. But like you said, the way the weather turns in Buffalo, it's, it's such a strange situation, but uh, I was at Ken Dorsey's last game uh, mm. as offensive coordinator in last November uh, against Denver. And that was just another bizarre situation. Uh, but it seemed like the whole, you know, the whole team, it, it was, a it was a sketchy situation, but that night I was in the stadium, obviously surrounded by Bill's fans and it, it was fire Dorsey fire McDermott. I think there were some people saying, get rid of Allen. Talk about <laughs> the end there. Like with the last couple of weeks uh, that offense was struggling, sure. just a lot of mistakes. I think Allen was leading the league in interceptions at that point. Couldn't take care of the football. Like what came? what reached the boiling point there uh, to Mark Dorsey's end in Buffalo those last
1: several weeks? before it is all firing yeah good question um and that's so you kind of got us got us up to speed uh you know to my history story that i gave now now you, you fast forward to just recently basically i mean really we're not talking that long ago i mean we're talking two months ago really um yeah. Uh, not much more two two and a half months ago. Um the Bills started five and five and that's what happened. They obviously have lately had extreme expectations. They fell three games behind the Dolphins. Um, you know, McDermott felt like the team did not run the ball enough. So that's going to be the interesting mix you guys are going to have to tell me with your strong um running game and what you've been able to do. Um and kind of what you're what your what your um Decisions are going to be going forward, but he cannot run the ball to save his life. He couldn't call a running game. I mean, if James Cook got more than 12 carries, that was um, a big game for him. So people were just frustrated. Josh Allen would throw a good 40 times uh, per game. And you kind of saw this really methodical offense that was really strong at moving the sticks, as you can see in the EPA metrics in the DVOA, um, really where it faltered. They continued to throw the ball and make decisions um, that would hamper points. And, you know, it it could come in many forms. It could come in a Josh Allen turnover, which he was really good in the red zone this year. um, So that's one positive. Um, It came in the, the form of week one, a three Josh Allen interceptions. The offense just didn't show. Can't really blame Dorsey. Uh, it's probably Allen's worst game. Actually, as a Bill in a long, long time, Week One of this year. It's Week One. Who really cares? Um, but it didn't start off on the right foot. The Bills railed off three straight wins by like 25 points. They beat the Raiders. Everybody was a little trendy on them. Who picked it up toward the end of the year? The Commanders started two and zero, and everyone was saying, "Well, they're a playoff team." And then the Dolphins, you know, everybody's darling to uh, be the one seed. So those ripped off three 25-point wins plus. Um, and, you know, everything was good. So some of those metrics are a little jacked up um, from that three-game stretch of how efficient, how good everything was clicking on all cylinders for the Buffalo Bills, uh, and, you know, come October, early October. So there was no problems We're like, all right, maybe the eye test is now starting to match some of those de- some of those data points that Dorsey put out there. Fast forward to uh, the Jags game in London, and things just went goofy. You saw a game where you lost your all-pro middle linebacker. You saw you lost your starting cornerback, Trey White, who would finally come back to being a cornerback one. You have you saw Daquan Jones, who had the most pressures at the defensive line, uh, defensive tackle position for the first four weeks, uh, tear his pack. Um, so you saw this this catastrophe of problems uh but bills fans wrote it off they said you know it's london we didn't leave in the right schedule there's this and that there's this problem um you know so i i would actually say guys that uh, dorsey got a lot of passes um to the point where it may have felt like he got scapegoated at that broncos game um but he there was a big debate that everybody was actually a lot He, a lot of people didn't think he should have saw year two based on the way um that the season ended starting in um the end of last year, the last four games, of last year into the the two playoff games. A lot of people did not think that that he should be renewed, that it was just Josh's pick, um, that he really wasn't an offensive coordinator. So that was originally what had been put out there. But data and other metrics had said, guys, you you, you know, you're, you're, you're wrong. Like there's a lot of good metrics around Ken Dorsey. Are these being jacked up by Josh Allen, which, you know, a lot of Bills fans will probably tell you they feel like is the case um, that, you know, they feel as true with, with, uh, with Dable, too. That um now that he, you know, has since left Josh Allen, um, every other season kind of like Brady and um um and Belichick, every season that he hasn't had Josh Allen, Dable's been horrible. Um, All of his metrics have been down. Um, and, you know, will he even keep his job this season? This might be his last year for for Dable. So we'll see how that goes. But um, a lot of people will now point to the fact that maybe it was just Josh Allen's DVOA and, and EPA metrics and really did not have anything to do with Dorsey was 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 calling. So that's kind of the problem you start to see on film. They got predictable. Patrick Peterson had a famous quote, once saying, I knew exactly uh, what Gabe Davis is going to run because, um Ken Dorsey's offense is predictable um, and they don't stack and they don't do anything creative. So that's kind of what all came to a fold. um, As you saw in that Jags game, the offense stalled and they barely beat a bad Giants team 14 to nine at home. Um, People were worried about the offense. Then that team was in trouble. The Patriots game, the offense was terrible for the entire game. They did come back and Josh Allen left with the lead uh, because he's really good in the fourth quarter. And then that was uh, their defense could not hold against Mac Jones. It was really, uh, really impressive. The Bucs game where the offense started off 24 points and then uh, allowed um, uh, an onslaught by Baker Mayfield uh, to end the game. Uh, long behold, that Bucks team is decent, knowing what we know now. Uh, but they almost they almost blew that game. The offense got stalled. The Bengals game, they didn't get anything moving all game again against the Bengals. Same team. Uh, at least Burrow was playing pretty well at that point, though. And then the Broncos game that you were at, where it was just a mess of a situation uh, across the board. They were down, um, uh, they're down mightily in that game for most of it. The offense wasn't moving. They were down 15 to eight at halftime. Um, you know, 21 15 late in the game. Josh Allen did uh, score to put the Bills up 22 21 late in that game, left the field with a lead. Many people said the Bills defense would have blown that, but their offense was pretty poor for three quarters of that game. So that's and ultimately Sean McDermott put on the film, said the this play design is great, but he's not calling the right things at the right time. He's not. A lot of people are like he's not running the ball, at all. And then kind of kind of Brady then takes over and runs the ball pretty heavily down the stretch. Um, basically, with the Bills almost winning seven straight uh, going into the uh, uh, the their their Chiefs loss, where they play the Chiefs very well uh, with a pretty patchwork defense. So that's that's all ultimately kind of the downfall of him. He guys he just wouldn't run the ball. Um, At some point, the EPA metrics were good because Josh Allen was uh, moving the ball, especially in stretches. Um, But, you know, 35 to 40 uh, attempts per game um, just weren't enough. And the first game they lost Dorsey, you know, he made a precedent to run 38 times uh, in a game where they demolished the Jets 32 to six, which was important because everybody said, yeah, the Jets suck, but they, you know, they have this defense that can foil the Bills. Honestly, they had a defense that foiled Ken Dorsey, so that's kind of kind of the end of the history um, here in Buffalo.
0: Touched upon some so very uh, some good points there, and I want to you know dive some more into it because you talked about how he kind of you know refused to run the ball, and I think that's the one thing that the Browns do really well. Uh, and what Kevin Stefanski has been able to implement over his time here with the offensive line that we have, and Nick Chubb, you know, obviously we lost him week two this year, and the running game wasn't as strong. Uh, but you know, when you lose Nick Chubb, I, that's pretty much expected. But it's going to be an interesting mesh because you talk about how you know pass heavy Dorsey is, and I, I think you know would you have the the quarterback or at least when you think you had a quarterback like Watson that um you want to throw the ball a lot with, it's gonna be an interesting mix because the one thing I, I don't uh know if you've watched the Browns game, but there will yeah. be there will be audible times where the entire crowd is just chanting chubb <laughs> because they want Kevin to run the damn ball. Uh it's like the uh the scene the scene from the blind side. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting mesh, uh, between these two. And maybe, you know, you have uh, a really strong guy in Kevin that will run the ball, a really strong guy and Dorsey who can draw up some good things, uh, schematically passing wise. And maybe it will be a good blend, uh, for this offense that can take it to the next level. And you saw, um, I think the, the passing game kind of uh improve uh, towards the end of the season with Joe Flacco in there and what they were able to do when you saw uh David Njoku like take take a leap. What do you think or how do you think these two would be able to mesh uh based on you know both one yeah. uh, you know both of them have a strength and now they have to combine it into one single offense?
1: Yeah. Awesome question. Uh, And it wasn't, I was thinking about when I was coming on your show about how that would work. Um, I'm worried for your running game because that was one of the biggest complaints. It's pretty verifiable um, as an issue. I mean, I think just having, by virtue of getting Chubb back and healthy, you guys would be able to tell me where he's at with his rehab and how he's looking. Um, And I like what you're able to do there. Um, But the mixture, man, I mean, I would not be prepared for any style of, of change. I think maybe the reason Stefanski may have gone that route was to increase and be better in his passing game. Um, I don't know what your situation will be. you are you going to bring back Joe Flacco or what that's going to look like on, on, as your QB two next year, um, or how that's going to go for you guys. But I would imagine the idea there is for his quarterback skills to work with Watson, um, to show what he's able to do, how he's worked with a movement quarterback like Josh what he's been able to do in 12 personnel, what he's been able to do on the move off script um, and some of those play designs um, that he feels like, you know, he'll tell in an interview. I'm sure I I was told he was a good interviewer um, and I heard that as well in Cleveland um, and I believe it. Um, And I believe that his play design and structure that he presented in job interviews uh, was probably very strong in theory and in principle. Um, and I'm excited to see him with a quarterback like Watson and what Watson could do, um, especially with a guy in rhythm, too, like if if you do bring back Joe Flacco or what your situation may be uh, behind Watson. so you you'll be able to tell me a little bit more about how that's playing out. And um, in you're in your quarterback room, but the idea there is I'm assuming that that what Dorsey did was sell like look what I can do with Josh Allen, there were some things out of my control this season, uh, you know my defense lost four key starters and early on during that five and five stretch, um, you know, we had to adjust defensively which they clearly did at the end of the year he would probably say in an interview, um, you know. You know, Josh had a shoulder early on, kind of bothering him, you know, like every other quarterback. And, uh, you know, look at this four-game stretch that I just had against, you know, the Raiders, Commanders, Dolphins. We were able to bury the Dolphins. Um, and and those are the things, you know, look at this play structure. Look at how I was able to pretty much scheme up Gabe Davis open. You know, I made Gabe Davis an average receiver into uh, basically a guy that's going to get paid some money this offseason. So I'm sure I'm assuming... He is selling his passing offense, and then he went out and got Dalton Kincaid and his development there um, as being, you know, a top-flight tight end in this upcoming season. And uh, he was basically Josh Allen's number two weapon as a rookie. Broke most rookie records here in Buffalo, um, especially from the tight end position, and almost caught some others in general as a pass catcher. So you guys have Njoku, and I'm assuming that's uh, that's the selling point there. What he can do in twelve. I, I'm I'm going to go off here and say that he's going to get another tight end. Uh, I'm gonna make a make a make a bold prediction that he's gonna pair Njoku with somebody. I don't know if it's gonna be Harrison Bryant. You guys can tell me how you you know you feel about him, or if he's gonna go out there and get a little bit uh, someone a little bit higher profile, or get somebody in the draft. But his whole scheme was he tried to bring in um, uh, a tight end throughout his entire tenure, um, and then he finally had Knox and Kincaid, um, and the offense was really good out of twelve personnel. Uh, they could throw really well out of it. Um, and those are some of the metrics that you see in your DVOA ranking. So I'm going to assume that he sold a grand theory to Kevin. Um, and also like, look at what we can do. Uh, I'm sorry that my bills defense let me down. Uh, at times it stretches, uh, this season. That wasn't my fault. Um, you know, Josh is Josh. Um, and he's one of the, the league's elite, but you know, he did have his moments of, of having that shoulder injury that Josh, you know, talked about in his post game, um, post season interview after, uh, the, 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 the close chiefs loss. So I'm assuming those are all the things that he said. Um, But I'm very excited to see him maybe with another offensive mind. Um, And he's a good quarterback coach. And I think ultimately what you're looking for here is the development of Watson and see what you can get out of him this season uh, where he has been pretty good as a quarterback coach. And I'll give him that. I just don't love his play calls. I don't know why he abandons the run. Uh, But some of the mesh concepts, some of the concepts that he had out of 12 and some of the mismatches that he creates before the game um, are very, very strong in what he's able to do to opposing defenses. Uh, But what happens in the second and third quarters when people people see what your plan is, that's where he struggled in this league. And I'm not sure how your play calling situation is going to go, but that's where his weakness there definitely is his play calling. His strength is what he can design against the defense, uh, what he can do out of 12. Um, weakness running the ball for sure. Um, and we're definitely going to see, maybe he's more structured now knowing like, I don't need to rely on Josh Allen. Maybe he's going to be more structured, but I'm excited to see him with a quarterback who can historically move. Um, you know, we'll see what he looks like off his, on another injury um, and what he can do with a quarterback who has a lot of talent. So um, I think those are his strengths, being a, a pure quarterback coach and, t- and teaching in the room. But another thing was he's buddy, buddy. Um, and that's, he took a lot of heat here that Dable was able to yell at Josh and Ken Dorsey, you know, you see him in the booth, go mad, like a mad scientist over his play calls, but you never saw him, uh, really say anything to anybody on his offense. And that started to really rub people the wrong way. Like, you know, Josh, Josh is throwing interceptions. Is Ken Dorsey doing anything here? He's just calling more passes. Um, so ultimately, uh, those are some of his negatives. And I hope I, uh, did a good job of get, trying to give you both sides of the coin.
2: Yeah, you really did. Um, I do agree with you that I think, you know, them hiring Dorsey was to try to get the most out of Deshaun Watson because we're, we're entering year three of the deal. Uh, the first two years haven't gone well because of the suspension and uh, the the shoulder injury this past season. Uh, so, And I do think they are trying to uh, enhance the passing game because it always – hasn't been the strongest suit of Stefanski's offense. Like he's had success with quarterbacks going back to Minnesota. Um, Obviously he had success with Baker Mayfield here, uh, Jacoby Brissett for the short time he was here. And you started to see things with Deshaun before the injury. Um, But I do think they're trying to enhance that passing attack uh, more. So, you know, they have Amari Cooper here who had a career year. Uh, you mentioned the Joku. I do think they'll try to add a tight end of some sorts because Harrison Bryant and Jordan Akins are both free agents. So I agree with you. They'll probably add a tight end or or two at some point this offseason. Probably one in free agency, one in the draft. But you did mention the history with uh, Dorsey and developing quarterbacks. He obviously started in Carolina, where he coached Cam Newton, got the best out of Cam Newton, had the MVP season in twenty fifteen. Uh, The Panthers went 15-1, and went to the Super Bowl, and then obviously the development with Josh Allen. Talk about that, Kevin, how he's had um, the history with, you know, developing quarterbacks, coaching the quarterbacks, and how do you think that's going to be beneficial to someone like Deshaun who may have to tinker with his style of play um, with the numerous injuries he's had in his career going back to Clemson?
1: Yeah, I think of strength, okay? So that's, I think, a time for strengths, too. Um, I think that's one of his strengths. Um, which says that's why he got the job. If we're being honest, uh, his development of what, of what, you know, Josh Allen kind of looked like and kind of trans- uh, transpired over his 2019 to 2020 season, uh, really made a huge jump, um, you know, to being one of the league's best 2020 was second again in MVP. Like he'll probably get this year, um, uh, as well as 2021, he took a jump again, you know, uh, he was making good, you know, making really good play, pass plays, uh, in terms of his decision-making, uh, he was really good at, in this year kind of regressed in those turnovers. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, Ken started to get a little bit of heat, but I think what's cool about your situation over the bills, he ran, he was the CEO of the bills offense. And I think it was just a little bit too much, uh, never really had done it on this level, you know, being a contender, a team that, you know, obviously finished, you know, whatever you want to say, fifth, fifth place, basically in draft order, you know, you want to call him fifth. That's probably where the bills finished. Um, you know, a team that always finished in the top five lately, it was a little bit too much of pressure going from a QB coach to now leading a top five team, um, especially in offense. Um, so I do think it was unfairly like a pretty big jump though. He got the endorsement from Josh Allen, um, in that situation, but I think what's interesting is going to be his development as a quarterback coach. And you have that situation there. We didn't have Sean McDermott is historically a good defensive coach really great defensive coach um and basically said you know ken you're gonna run our offense i think it was just a little bit too much from being josh's buddy to being his quarterback coach to then designing plays to then calling a game in game to adjustments in game it just was a little bit too much uh, i don't think that's a strong suit so i think you're gonna get maybe a little bit more of a strong so i'm interested to see if I'm right or wrong um, by saying that I think having an uh, a coach similar to where he has now, I think it just wasn't a great fit. You had Diggs kind of mad at him. Basically, there was a rift here last year, if you can remember, uh, between Diggs and Allen a little bit. Um, and there was some off the field stuff with, you know, who was doing what, where, but mostly it was because of the backing of Ken Dorsey again by Josh Allen. And Diggs is like, this play structure is wrong. Like we're not calling the right plays. Like I don't really like where this is going or not running the ball. And um, so there's just big battle on who's right, who's wrong. Um, And you saw different digs under Brady in terms of he got less attempts and he was almost happier. It was really weird. It was a really weird scenario. No one really still knows a ton about it, but coming from the the Vikings offensive coordinator uh, and Stefanski, I think he's going to have to worry about less if I'm being honest and to be his general this time, instead of being the CEO, Uh, I think is going to be a big difference over here where he was a CEO. I don't think he's an offensive CEO. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I do believe as a QB coach um, slash developmental guy for Watson slash, we have another quarterback there. I don't know who it'll be behind Watson. And then also what you're going to get with play structure and game design. um, And then from there, I Probably, I don't know how you guys feel, but I would probably want Stefanski calling my plays, but hey, uh, there's room for it either way, but I least need it. He needs at a least someone over him so he can do what's best. Um, so that's what I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do for Watson. Uh, with those, you know, he still has some good weapons there. Uh, definitely has a better running back than he's pretty much ever had. Uh, uh, yeah, for his most part here, I don't, I can't really think of anyone who'd be better than Chubb. Uh, I like Ford a lot as a backup. You know, he's got a really good tight end, you know, and Joku's who, um, you know, they're looking for, you know, uh, Dalton Kincaid to develop into, which he does look like he's on that path. So ultimately he's got all, he's got that strong O-line. He basically was an excuse for him here. Um, You know, he's got a really strong interior O-line. He's got our guy, White Teller, Jack Conklin. You know, he's got a lot of good looking, you know, pieces over there um, that I think a lot of teams would wish to have uh, on offense. You you know, you guys probably need to add another weapon. uh, But what you're able to do there with Mari Cooper, your tight end room, um, you know, it's promising for what i what i what I can see out of, out of Ken Dorsey, and he does get a lot out of his offensive weapon. So I do think that that's a positive for him. I just don't want him calling plays., uh, and there's definitely some one score game problems with him uh, to be to be noted. Um, the bills are pretty bad in one score games underneath him. um, and good defenses could foil him. Those are kind of some of his negatives. Uh, but against bad teams, he would dice him up. um, and I think he's a really good quarterbacks coach. Um, and I think the, the, your question, I think the development of Watson is going to be humongous. Um, and I have some hope that he's going to be able to do that part of his job. Right. Uh, I just don't think he's an offensive CEO, which he doesn't need to be there. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see this.
0: Hey, you talked about the, the skill position guys, and you know, we have a couple younger receivers that maybe he could utilize in that Gabe Davis role. Uh, Cedric Tillman was a rookie this year, kind of, uh, caught on towards the end of the year. Uh, David Bell, kind of the same way. He was in his second year; he'll be going into his third. So, there's a couple guys there, and you know, there's already rumors flying around of you know who the Browns could go after, uh, in free agency in terms of receiver, uh, and adding another weapon. Um, you know, we definitely do need to add another tight end at some point, at least one. Uh, I'm not sure if any of those two guys will be back, but um, you talked about the the rift there a little bit with uh, Stefan Diggs. What about the skill position players as a whole, did they like his offense? Did they not like it? You know, there were a lot of guys there. What uh, was the overall mood uh, from the rest of the guys? We kind of got the idea about digs and what his thoughts were.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't hate me, uh, but not good. Um, So this is, this is going to be the nagging. So Josh Allen loves him. Um, Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Josh Allen is very much listened to over, call it another player gabe davis would tell you he loves him i know gabe personally and we've had some conversations with gabe um uh gabe gabe loves him so there's there's so so these players um like i don't you don't want to call them receiver twos receiver threes love them um there's other players not so much um i would say uh his ability to um not utilize his running backs was a problem Um, you know, there's other weapons, you know, he, Ken Dorsey was said to like kind of focus on one thing, um, and it would frustrate the rest of the team because none of it really built on each other. Uh, but he, he certainly really schemed a lot of stuff for his, his fringe weapons. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of primary options, you know, in this case Diggs. um, you know, that would get, you know, Knox at times would get these targets and people were really confused at like why our offenses is is Davis and Knox um, over your running backs or Stefan Diggs. Um or others. So that was interesting um, to, to be the and then to the point where like they were utilizing Davis in a way that was weird. Um and you know, bill's fans started you know, turn on Davis. Um, and that was which was strange. He just was every bit as good as a really good receiver two in this league. Um, so it was really strange for that career arc. Um, but it was kind of Ken Dorsey's fault. Uh, but really good at like like he didn't see the, the funny part was he likes these middle tier guys. He doesn't really utilize some of these guys with potential on the bottom of your depth. And he sometimes forgot about his stars. Um, except this year, he went out and tried to make a point to give digs every, every single, um, every single attempt, which started to hurt him too. Um, but he, he basically didn't use Khalil Shakir at all, which was a much talked about topic here in Buffalo because Khalil Shakir then turned into the bills leading receiver for the last seven games, uh, turned into kind of an elite level uh, slot receiver heading into the year, uh, caught touchdowns on some back-to-back playoff games, made a ridiculous play on the chiefs in the end zone. Um, you know, made a really ridiculous play against the Steelers. Uh, we didn't know why Ken Dorsey wasn't using most, most, Bills fans would have said like, he's in a, he's a pretty good receiver three. He's a really good slot receiver. And um uh Ken Dorsey just did not decide to use him. So that was a pretty confusing, confusing thing where he continued to pound 12 personnel. So that was the trouble with him, was he had one thing in his head and he kind of stuck with it. Uh but he he's really good at those mid tier weapons. I will give you that. So, you know, you give me a guy on your roster that may be more in the middle tier, and I bet you'll get a lot out of him. Um, but like um, you know. I I'm, I'm interested to see how he uh, builds that relationship with Cooper. Um, that'll be a one I'm keeping my eye on, uh, or if he just likes a guy like Cedric Tillman out of the blue and, and then he's really your next Gabe Davis. So uh, pay attention to that. And then doesn't use Elijah Moore. So like pay attention to something like that. Cause that's kind of the career arc of, of what he's done here. Um, and to the point where like uh, he needed to go back to get Cole Beasley. Uh, Cause they could not develop This was at the end of last year. Cause they could not develop a slot receiver. Uh, which is super weird. And then they had Khalil Shakir on their roster, who's now like entrenched here. Um, And Bill's fans think he's like, you know, the next best slot receiver. So that's kind of a, kind of a breakdown of how he uses weapons.
2: Well, that touchdown against Pittsburgh was pretty impressive by Shakir. So I can see why Bill's fans love him. You did mention Elijah Moore just there. Do you, how do you think Dorsey could utilize a guy like Elijah Moore? Because, you know, the Browns fans had high hopes for him last year. Obviously we uh, swamped, our second round pick with the jets for their third. And we picked up Elijah Moore in the trade. Um, he had an okay season. I think there was big expectations and they didn't, his production didn't meet those expectations. How do you think Dorsey could utilize a guy like him ultimately with a, a healthy Deshaun Watson and, uh, in, in
1: potentially the offense that Dorsey may call. Yeah, it's your boundary receivers that I'm watching more of because that's where he's strong. So I'm interested to see like who does win your receiver two job out of camp. Um, because he does seem to get good mixed matches on teams like that are, like so, like in your case, Cooper's your receiver one. Um, I think he'll give the ball to Cooper. That shouldn't be his issue, I don't think. Um, I think there shouldn't be any problems there. I'm interested to see though. What he'll do is he'll utilize those boundary receivers because he likes those deep outs, uh, he likes those post routes, uh, he likes flies he's going to like big lanky receivers who he feels like can make big plays. So you're going to have to tell me at the end of the uh, off season, who that may be come out of your training camp. Uh, you know, six, you know, six, three, two 15 receiver sticks out to me. Uh, but we'll see how that looks now where he's going to struggle is that slot receiver position. It is not his strength. The Bills went out and got Kincaid because they were not utilizing the middle of the field. That was one of their big problems. They got no production out of the slot. People you know, were starting to blame the players, but really it's just that he doesn't love um, utilizing that area of the field. He feels like he has better advantages elsewhere, likes running out of a a short box. So when he does run, it's out of 11 personnel where where he actually schemes some good runs against 11. But he couldn't throw out of 11. So what does that mean? Your slot receiver is not getting any targets that could change. Um, And back to my whole Shakir rant, uh, there was a reason for that. Um, So that's that's my worry is that he also will not use Elijah Moore very much Uh, so i'm I'm excited to see what he can do with your boundary receivers and how well he does run out of eleven if if you guys run eleven. um but that's that's what's interesting. He throws out of twelve, runs out of eleven uh pretty heavily on both of those to try to to a um predictable level um and and both of those two to a uh, successful level too. But he does not use a slot receiver um really to where the bills were trying anything at the end of last year. and early on this year. It was like, all right, thank God we have Kincaid because like, we cannot find any anyone out of the slot that's productive at all. Uh, we were trying Hardy. We were trying Sherfield, We were trying different things in the slot. The Bills went out and paid a lot of money for Hardy off of the Saints who showed some flashes, but really, uh, outside of his returnability, really wasn't it either. So luckily the Bills post-Dorsey developed Shakir, but uh, the Bills started to use the middle of the field more. Um, but really, we don't know what the issue was he doesn't um throw particularly well out of 11, um, which is to the detriment of the slot. So that is the one area I will watch for for Cleveland is does that change? Uh, does Stefanski have something to say about that? And why is what is the problem with your slot receiver? Because he it's his weakest part of his game plan. But his strongest part is how well he utilizes the boundary. You guys have a good one, and I'm interested to see which one of yours develops as well. Um, beside him, are you gonna go draft? Are you gonna trust Bell? what how's that going to look like uh in this upcoming season for the browns because i'm interested to see if that trend holds true but 438 slot snaps when i uh, pulled my records for for um for Elijah Moore and uh, i'm not feeling very confident um especially i pulled some of his run blocking's not great um I, i'm worried about Elijah Moore in your offense with Ken Dorsey but maybe Stefanski has something to say about that uh, but at least when it comes on the Dorsey side I'm not encouraged uh, out of this. The slot in general. This is an Elijah Moore um, knock. This is a, a, the slot in general. Uh, but what what Bell can do in his pass blocking situations, uh, I think he's pretty strong at the point of attack. Um, you know, I, I I'm interested to see. You know, he kind of was in and out. You know, 125 snaps each inside and out for Bell. So I'm interested to see what he can do with a guy like that. Um, but I'm more interested to see. I bet you, you guys get a boundary receiver that he's going to utilize a lot this season. That's kind of my prediction. Will it be Cedric Tillman? Uh, will it be someone off the draft? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited to see your boundary role because that that's where his strong suit is. I would not, I would not anticipate uh, any slot production. The, just from my, uh, my film.
0: Well, you, you led in perfectly to this next question because you know, the Browns always seem, at least recently, they, they do their best to plan ahead. And Amari Cooper has one year left on his deal. Uh, he's going to be 30 years old uh, after this season. So, you know, they, they drafted a couple guys like Tillman and Bell over the last couple years. Uh, but I, I could, you know, see them supplementing that. And you talked about how uh, much Gabe Davis loved uh, Dorsey. And he is a free agent this offseason what are the bills plans with Gabe Davis? And do you think there's a possibility that Davis could follow Dorsey to Cleveland?
1: Yes. Great question. And that was what I was going to bring up toward the end here. Uh, Yes. I absolutely think that he's in play. He's a perfect in a Dorsey system. Um, I think it should be every bit as much. Do you guys have a lot of cap space?
2: Not at the moment, but obviously once we do some restructuring, we'll we'll have some money to play with in free agency.
1: I would was going to get to the point of, I think he's going to be your receiver too. That's my prediction. That could be wrong. He uh, could follow Dable. He could go elsewhere. Um, but I do believe he'd be every bit as much of a strong signing for you to kind of put his staple on the offense. Um, because I don't believe he's going to get a lot of the slot. So I could see that. And I like, don't, don't let any bills fans or other fans run you away. If you pay him a little bit, um, Davis is a good player. Um, and he's a really great boundary. And maybe with a little look with Stefanski. Uh, with cooper you know he's always used to having dig so he's used to having a receiver one so it's not like he's, he's, he wants to be the receiver one um so i think you're going to be in really good shape if you get a guy like davis and he's worth paying i mean he's worth to get paid for i i think he's worth it i don't think he's going to get crazy money but i do think he's going to see double digits yeah I yeah mean, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all
0: yeah i was gonna say we had uh long discussions for a few years about Jarvis landry's contract so we're not uh, unfamiliar with dealing if Uh, You know, Gabe Davis gets a a little bit double digit wise.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think he's worth it, though. I mean, Bill's I mean, the bills are ready to prepare to give him like 10 to 12. They just didn't really want to breach that. There's always a chance he does return if he tests the market and he's seeing eight, he's seeing nine. And the bills might be that back interested around that 10 number. I do. I just think there's going to be someone else in 11 or 12 or 13. Um, And he's worth it, man. I think it's a, it's a league that needs receivers. He's a bona fide receiver too. I think he's a strong receiver too. Most of his metrics point to being the top of the receiver two list. A lot of people are like, well, you know, he's not as good as T Higgins. Well, okay. That doesn't mean you're not a good receiver too, or he's not Jalen Waddle. I mean, he's actually utilized very similarly to Jalen Waddle. Both of them ran the least amount of uh, routes under nine yards in the league. Um, not, obviously not the elite quickness Waddle has. Uh, but 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 Davis is a touchdown machine. And guess what? This league is predicated on touchdowns. Uh it's not a bad thing to be yep. eight, seven, eight, nine touchdown guy. <laughs> like we'd say that like a negative here in Buffalo. Uh, but the Browns would be um, I think better off with with him and a Cooper and an Njoku and uh uh, you know, subbing in some of your, 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 your younger boundaries and maybe trying to get more involved, which we'll see. Um, but I I don't know. It sounds like a decent situation to me.
0: Is there any way that they like forcefully keep them with uh, any sort of tag or anything? I'm not sure about the rest of your free agents kind of looking at the no,
1: roster. No, yeah, no chance. Um, the bills are going to be grinding themselves to get in position so that they can um, maybe pursue more of a vet free agent uh, in the market. Uh, you know, does Keenan Allen get caught? Some, something like that could make sense in Buffalo. Um, but yeah, no, they they can't get one of these, uh, including Davis. They can't get one of these younger 25, 26 year old guys um, they they can't really afford to tag him. I think the best play the bills have is get a vet free agent, uh, receiver. Like I mentioned, just Keenan Allen as an example, if he does get cut in, in, in LA, um, and, uh, play the, play the compensation pick game. Like they did last year with Tremaine Edmonds going to Chicago. Uh, the best hope they have there with, with gay, but I don't really th- see any possibility. The only possibility, like I said, is he tests the market. Cleveland says, Hey, eight or nine to come here. And he's like, eh, I can get nine or 10 back in, you know, Buffalo or, you know, wherever, um, Outside of that scenario, if someone pays 11, 10, 11, 12 for him, um, I do believe he's gone and he's going to want to go spread his wings in a receiver two situation, a top end receiver two situation. Bill's fans weren't really good to him at the end of the year either, which is disappointing to see. Um, there was a viral video of fans yelling at him um, at the KC game. Uh, for some reason, I don't know what Gabe Davis did wrong there, but uh, um, we just felt like um we couldn't he couldn't suit up in the game that he always plays well in (laughs) uh that's the one game he didn't suit up for so bill are a little bit upset uh though he took just a really unlucky step against miami at the end of the year and hurt his pcl Uh, i was said to be a three-week injury and it just just wasn't ready quite he was going to be ready for for yesterday if they did advance uh tyler bass missed a kick the rest is history so uh, davis took the brunt of that again talk about a scapegoat it was it was just as much uh davis as anybody here in buffalo at, at times but He's a good player, man. He's a good blocker. Uh, I love to see him with Dorsey again um, and be a benefit to Watson. Oh,
0: did that last play? Yeah, I think, be, oh. Oh, I think that would go ahead. Let's see. That last play kind of sells me really well because I think the one thing that our receivers do really well is run block. So to hear that last little piece, I think there would be a really good fit there.
1: Elite-level run blocker. Uh, I don't know what PFF or some of his metrics will say across the internet, but uh, he's an elite-level run blocker. He's a willing run blocker. There was a game where Joe Brady gave him player of the game. He had zero catches. Bills fans are mad at him for that. Uh, but he got player of the game because of all the routes that he was running to free up – Um, you know, he, he ran a beautiful uh, in-breaking route to free up James Cook for, like, a 40-yard pass played on the right sideline. Uh, it was all Gabe Davis pulling two defenders away from, from, the, from the right sideline. So, ultimately – um he's a really good player and the thing that most people with the eye test don't realize is it's not all in his metrics it is all based on what he's able to do with route running um and how he's utilized
2: yeah i think uh he would fit in well with cleveland because we've had good wide receivers here since the fancy he's got here that have one been willing to block and two are good run blockers. Like I don't remember a bad run blocking receiver we've had the last couple of years. Uh, so Gabe Davis would fit in quite well. And I think he might be my early top of the board free agent guy for the Browns to go get. I know there's other names like T Higgins, Calvin Ridley, uh, other names out there and wide receiver that Browns fans are clamoring for, but I think Gabe Davis should be talked t- towards the top of that list because of what he's been able to do in Buffalo and with the connection with Ken Dorsey, I think
1: that would be a, a great fit uh, here in a couple months. I'd be shocked if he doesn't want to reignite with him. He gave Davis is really good underneath. And he was good in able a little bit, too, at the end, uh, but uh, really had a really productive year last year and a really good start to the year, too. I mean, he's a touchdown machine, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him at least want to give Cleveland a call um, and see Uh, And if I hear anything on that, uh, I'll let you guys know if I hear anything, because, you know, he's, he's pretty open about um, his experiences as it becomes able, legally able to talk to other teams. Um, um, You know, he's pretty open about those situations. So I'm very, very interested to see his journey. But like I said, a lot of people think he's not going to be a discount receiver. He's not going to be a guy that comes at 8 million. um, He's going to definitely be a guy that takes a big one year deal, 15 um, with no guarantee with, with guarantees and no future years where he's going to be a guy that takes around 12 or 13 um, to to put it all together. I, mean, I I'm really interested to see how his free agency here uh, develops because uh, he's young. He deserves it. And uh, anything else, I, I do believe he's on the level of anybody else there in free agency, minus like um, T Higgins. But um, that is just as good of a year this year as T Higgins. Um, but that's that's kind of what how I look at it, just maybe not Mike, obviously not Mike Evans, Mike Evans, is a top 15 receiver. Um, But outside of that, he's really every bit as much as receiver 25 to receiver 35. Like I, I don't see the problem with him. Um, uh, as long as he's utilized, right. You don't want to pay him that kind of money just to run block though. So that's kind of the fine line that you guys would have to toy with, but I think Dorsey will know how to use him.
0: I'd, I know he's a touchdown machine cause I have had him in my dynasty league the last two years. So very familiar, uh, with Gabe Davis and what he's been able to do. So, uh, hopefully he could come here this off season. I think it would be a, a really good fit. All right, Kevin. um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you. Uh, you know, once we get maybe towards uh, closer to the season and we kind of see how the draft and the free agency, any sort of trades is shaken out. Uh, we'll have a better idea of what, you know, the Browns skill position players will look like. Maybe we could get you back on here and uh, take a look and see what you think is going to be successful for this team. Um, uh, you know, we still have our dream of a Bills and Browns AFC Championship game. Um, hopefully, it's in Cleveland. But uh, we
1: we're getting closer.
0: We we're getting know, a little we're, closer we're, this. We're year. getting closer. Plus, Buffalo comes. Or wait, no, I'm sorry. Buffalo was going to come to Cleveland this year, but uh, instead, we get my Yeah, Annie. now it's
1: Baltimore. Yeah, um, yeah, we got to go to Baltimore now. Which I think Cleveland's better. If you want my hot take for the Cleveland <laughs> podcast, I think you guys are a better team than the Ravens. Actually, I think most Bills fans were more nervous to play the Browns and what they could do. Uh, I know the Ravens were elite, but we saw exactly why a team like the Bills would have preferred to play them. I just think the Bills have a game plan for Lamar Jackson. They always do. Um, And uh, it's where McDermott's strength is. Uh, But I don't know if they would have had an answer to what if Cleveland was taking on all cylinders, of course, what they would have been able to do. So I would have said I I know going in, most Bills fans would have said, I don't know. I I probably don't want to see the Browns at this. I'd rather see the Texans. So hey. We don't get a game this year, but definitely probably in two years, we'll get to see a game for sure. Cause we didn't play this season either.
0: Well, yeah, we were going to play. If Buffalo finished second in the division, we were going to play next year and Buffalo is going to come to Cleveland, but uh, you guys ended up winning the division. So Miami going to come to us uh, next year instead, uh, which is, good. you'll of, win. Hopefully, hopefully, but, I think so. Hopefully
1: that's late in the year. Cause they don't win late in the year and they also don't <laughs> win under 40 degrees. So if you get an early game, ah, that's, that's, that's rubbish, uh, because if they come to you in November, got to Cleveland all day
0: or, you know, they come in and it's like 15 degrees in September with the uh, rain. Oh, that's what they'll get kind of thing.
1: <laughs> They're going to get a good weather game up there in Cleveland and you're going to see good looking Tyreek Hill. I know it, uh, but you guys deserve them to come in late November where are not going to be the same team at that point every year. It's the same story for them.
0: Yeah, Give, a, give us that uh, like we had that Thursday night late in the year against the Jets uh, right before Christmas. We'll take that with Miami. Uh, <laughs> Please. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll be ruined for that one, too. So. All right. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Listen to you. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, plug everything you got. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, the one thing I wanted to say I had jotted down here is Cade Stover from Ohio State. Um, I mean, you guys should know him in your state. Um, But I think that he's a good fit for the Dorsey offense. So I'm excited to see if you guys do a mid-round pick second. You know, I got him in the second, early third. Uh, if you guys go that route to pair with Njoku, we'll see if I'm right. Uh, if, if, if the boards line up, um, she's a name that I had jotted down here, you know, natural transition from Ohio state uh, to stay in, you know, you know, kind of not too far away to go to Cleveland. So we'll see if I'm right. Six four two fifty one um as my projection to see if Stefanski and, or Dorsey have any play uh, with general management. Um, but you can find me uh, at the going deep Buffalo podcast on the built-in Buffalo podcast network. We'll be breaking down the NFL. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Dorsey too. So we'll try to bring you guys updates um, what he does over there. Cause there's still plenty of people who point to his metrics of being a scapegoat here um, as well as Gabe Davis. So It'd be very interesting uh, if Gabe goes there too, cause then we'll pay really close attention uh, to how that would go. Um, and it uh, would be pretty excited to watch him of those games too, with a Gabe Davis, Ken Dorsey offense. So really appreciate you guys having me. And hopefully we can talk some point after the draft.
0: Yeah, please don't give my hopes up with Katie Silver because that's that's one guy I wanted before the tight end uh, or before the uh, the college football season last year. So uh, his nickname is Baby Gronk. I'm not sure if you know that or not. Uh, I did hear that. Um, I was pretty we excited. We love our
1: Buckeyes, by the way, over here.
0: <laughs> you guys are Buckeyes?
1: I don't know. Are you, are you a Ohio State fan? Yeah. I don't, I, and, and what's okay. funny
0: is the Buckeyes beat Ken Dorsey in a national championship game uh, okay. when he was with Miami. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. That makes it all full circle. Um, so you know exactly who he is, but I was just looking at it like a personnel standpoint. Um, I could definitely, and then you have all those ties too. So it does make sense. I, I would not be shy. The only thing it would be was like, well, how does he fit in with Njoku? But, uh, Dorsey, uh, I could tell you every bit as much would be in on that and, and probably reunite in and Gabe Davis. If you guys free up the cap as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an opportunity to do that. Um, so we'll see how the off season say, say, uh, shakes out. Um, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Jack, do you have any party words before we get out of here? No, nah, just, uh, Kevin, thanks as always for coming
2: on. Sorry. It went a little longer than, uh, we anticipated, but that's usually how it goes. Uh, especially when we got good, good chemistry, but, uh, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Anytime guys love to give you a real, real insight of, of the coach you guys hired.
0: We appreciate it. Uh, everybody be sure to give Kevin a follow on Twitter, uh, at Kevin Vasari um uh, be sure to give the dogland follow uh myself and jack as well uh with all that we're gonna get on out of here we will talk to you uh next week probably give you some sort of super Bowl prediction uh or the super swift bowl uh prediction I guess um uh, you know that seems to be the talk nowadays uh we're gonna get, we're gonna get on out of here see you' all later and remember most importantly go Browns